Hi, thanks for listening to State House Soundbites. There's a quick update from Katie. She says that since the taping of this episode, Senate leaders have announced they plan to resume session on Monday, July 17th. Now on to the show. Hi, welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state, including WHYY in Philly and WESA in Pittsburgh. Um, we're recording this episode on Friday. Gosh, what's the day? Uh, it's July 14th. Oh, gosh. All right. It's Friday, July 14th. Days have sort of lost meaning to us. I had to look at my watch, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it's Friday, July 14th at 11 a.m. Uh, we're in Little Lamb's Coffee Shop, as usual. Um, The state budget is sort of on hold for now, and so that is what we're going to talk about. Here with me to discuss is... Jason Gottesman. Um, I write for the PLSreporter.com and cityandstatepa.com and uh, a couple other uh, news outlets from the state that time, from time to time, uh, want some state state, uh, general assembly coverage. And so... Jason, if you've ever been in the Capitol, um, his normal perch is right in the rotunda. Yes. So I feel like you have a unique maybe view on the dynamics of the Capitol and who's going where and who's in whose office and how negotiations are going. So yes. at this point, how do you sort of analyze the, the feeling in the Capitol? Well, it's empty right now. Yeah, but <laughs> very, very empty, as I made a point of saying earlier it's, in a yeah, piece this it's week. Desert- Harrisburg, the city, is deserted right now. Yes. But um, so how's, how's the budget going, Jason? Um, I, think, I think it's an, an interesting point. Um, I know a lot of people have tried to avoid the word stalemate, um, though I used it, and uh, I, I, I don't... I, and that might be a very strong term. It might and, be a strong term, but yeah. there's definitely it's a, a, it's a standoff. I, I, I mean, uh, reflecting, it's, it's definitely a standoff. I mean, yeah. there's there's some sort of friction uh, and, and difficulty by a lot of different parties. I don't think it's necessarily a Republican and Democratic thing anymore. It's not like it's not like the Republican legislature right now versus the the Wolf administration right. uh, as it sort of was was there for a few days because I think you're now seeing a, a dynamic where some of the parties are being a little bit more willing to come to the table and I think you saw a sort of the first to blink being the House Republicans in terms of hey we're kind of headed out of town and um you know, I don't think that that is exactly what the Senate Republicans wanted to do. I think they were right now more willing to sort of sit at the table and try to get something accomplished, even if that, you know, meant compromising on some of the things that, that they strongly believed. And I mean, you have to remember that just, uh, you know, less than a week ago, I think last Sunday, the Republicans in a united front from the House and the Senate presented this revenue plan to the governor, which he sort of said no thanks to, (laughs) but came back with his own stuff. And I think that's how the dialogue's been going. But from what I've heard, you know, it's sort of right now uh, House Republicans who have said, look, some of these things are just a bridge too far for us. We we can't get this done. And where things are right now, we we really think that it's best for us to just kind of take stock of where we are, send our members home, send our leadership home, and and really just kind of gather, sort of gather our thoughts for the next few days. But I think one of the interesting things is that a lot of the, the talk still hasn't become as negative as we saw in the last big impasse in fifteen sixteen, and and I think that that is partly because you know a lot of these things really turn sour uh, when you have more than one party that is 
with a lot of negative rhetoric. So right now you have House Republicans, I think, with sort of this, you know, I think Dave Reed, uh, the House Majority Leader, on Tuesday when the House Republicans left said he was not really optimistic that yeah. something can be reached right away. Well, Reed, too, I think interesting to know because it's not just us perceiving this, right. like, friction. He basically said, um, you know, we're going to go home. Maybe it'll, you know, be good for everybody to take a breather and then we can put it back together, mm-hmm. which if you're putting something back together indicates that it has fallen apart. Right, and I think that's sort of in the eye of the beholder, but sure. you're not hearing a lot of that negative rhetoric coming from the Senate Republicans, from the Senate Democrats, from the House Democrats. Yeah. Or the Wolf Administration, and I think that's my understanding in, in talking with people who have been involved in the process is there's been actually some coordinated effort to try to keep the message positive among all the other parties, mostly because they don't want to engage in this sort of you know political finger pointing and blame game that was really the hallmark has been the hallmark of almost every major budget impasse right. that that we've we've seen, and and the fact that one house, one chamber of the General Assembly has sort of dictated the move to leave, um, you know, they don't want that to then spiral into something where negotiations completely break down and the blame game starts and then nobody wants to come to the table right, and play ball. Right. And so let's set the stage a little bit right now. So we have the House and Senate. You mm-hmm. mentioned the House may have been sort of the ringleaders in leaving, but right. uh, they're both on a six-hour call, which yeah. is essentially like, you know, they can be called back from their districts, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, considering it takes like eight hours to get from Erie to Harrisburg, um, True. that six-hour call is is usually more like a 12 to 18 to 24-hour yes. call. But they are technically on call, but they're they are, not yes. expected in. I mean, it's Friday. They've been out for a few days now. They're right. not expected back in next week. Ne- no, probably. not next week at all. Um, I have a feeling my birthday is on the 31st, so they'll probably come back into town then. Oh, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> just how, how my luck goes, but... Yeah, so um, we're probably going to get them back into... Right. Like, what does it mean that they're taking a break that long in the middle of the budget process? Well, I think it means a couple of things. One, there's a lot of people out there who talk about this concept of let's get everybody into a room, lock them in the room, and let them negotiate it out. That's very three men in a room, and, like New York State style. Well, well, right, but I think that it's been my experience that that is actually a really bad way to negotiate budgets in Pennsylvania. People come to Harrisburg and they start as friends usually on whenever they begin these things and then they get really frustrated, get really angry and then their ability to to reach compromise gets less and less with each passing day, right? So it kind of everything sort of reaches a crescendo. I think like we saw when the House and Senate Republicans finally agreed to a revenue package, which was something that was actually, they were having trouble getting on the same page. But then, you know, you have this thing where now we've done this, we've done the heavy lift of coming to to terms with each other, we present it to the governor, and it's it's no longer... Um, you know, it can't hold. Now we got to start basically from, from you know, I don't want to say square one, but definitely like square two or three. Right. And um, you know, so I, I, I think just in terms of being able to go home, see people's families, get out of Harrisburg. Dave Reed mentioned yeah. he had to get more clothes. Well, right. I, I mean, I think a lot of that stuff is actually sort of positive mentally. You know, you kind of get here and you get stir crazy and just like. Anybody who, you know, works for a week straight, something, I mean, we've all experienced in, you know, in reporting <laughs> on these issues. But they're all living out of hotels, too, especially right. the ones far away. Right. And I just think from a mental standpoint that that works. And also it kind of gets them back to 
something that worked in crafting the spending plan, which was a lot of the shuttle diplomacy, a lot of this do it by phone, do it by one-on-one right. -on -one meetings. Well, and, and that's, I think, worthwhile to note. We've right. sort of seen a different negotiating tactic from them this year where, right. I mean, Wolf doesn't do a lot of meetings in person. It's a lot of his staff. It's right. a lot of the staff of the leaders as well. And that seems, I mean, obviously it hasn't resulted in a plan, but it seems like that keeps tension down. I mean, people have been able to stay more positive maybe because I don't want to speculate. Well, I think one of the main things that, that you notice um, in the difference between how these this budget compared to, I mean, you have to remember that the last budget that uh, was was accomplished before this one, which was uh, 15, 16, and 16, 17, basically got wrapped up within a few months of each other. Right. Um, and so those two negotiations took place essentially the same, where you had the five Leaders, uh, the, you know the five leadership teams. You know the House, House and Senate Republicans, uh, the House and Senate Democrats, and the Wolf administration, sort of in a room negotiating a plan. But this time, it's, it has taken, like you said, a very different uh, tone. A lot of shuttle diplomacy, a lot of hush, hush things yeah. were truly really, uh, kind of coming upon us to figure out what's going on. But I think a lot of what that comes from is. They want to keep things actually away from the press because these <laughs> so these things have come out before where some of these proposals are sort of half baked and they come out of these ideas or these negotiating sessions and they say hey we're looking at this uh, you know particular revenue source or we're looking at this and then you know we we report on that and then you know a lot of that stuff gets leaked out then to you know the special interests or rank and file members or whatever and then that stuff sort of gets blown up before right. it even has a, a chance to materialize. So one of the things I think that, that they've been trying to do this time is get on the same page first and then sort of, you know, um, tell everybody else later. And which, we've certainly noticed that. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> there have been a lot of press conferences where very little is said. But as you said, it's understandable. They want to keep things close to the vest. Yeah, I don't know if it's understandable from a transparency standpoint. Well, right. But and that's sort of what frustrates right. us as reporters. But... You know, as you said, there's a reason they're doing it. Anyway, I want to get into some of the specifics of these negotiations. I feel like we've talked about these things um, ad nauseum, so I yeah. almost don't even want to talk about gaming sure. again. But where are the big, you know, sticking points now? I feel like we've seen most of the major, like, discontent coming yeah. from, as you said, the House Republicans. And yeah. Dave Reed, House Majority Leader, has said, you know, we don't want to do any taxes. Every time we come back to Wolf with a new proposal, he says he wants more taxes. Right. The big issue right now is, like, essentially how much recurring revenue needs to be in this budget, right? Yeah, so House Republicans have for a long time, and not to rehash, I'll just go over quickly, is just right. they want liquor privatization, gaming expansion, and then uh, some of these you know, fun transfers and, and yeah. things, too. And specifically with gaming expansion, video game terminals. Right, vid right. video gaming terminals. Although I think they, they, they sort of... Push back from that uh, yeah, at the, at the 11th hour once the Senate Republicans said they couldn't do it, although they said, hey, look, if you want more recurring revenue, then it's incumbent upon the people who want that to try to make this happen. Um, so right now, I think I think one of the the big questions is what is the definition of a broad-based tax? Because everybody has taken that off the table, but you're also seeing some of these niche taxes being put back on. Now, the House Republicans, to some extent, have said some of these things, particularly like a gross receipts tax on um, it, I, there's a flow to like a gross receipts tax on natural gas, which for those of you who don't know, is kind of like a 
it's almost like closing the Delaware loophole for a very specific industry. So the Delaware com- loophole is the right. mechanism Sorry. by which corporations yeah. can essentially hide assets in Delaware. Right, right, exactly. So it basically requires tax. them to report, to, to pay taxes on all income from wherever they earn that income if right. they have a presence in Pennsylvania. So that's sort of a very rudimentary, non, non-technical way of describing that. Um, but. You know, but now there's been also a tax floated on basic basic cable tele- t- TV, which I think the House Republicans floated that other people don't like. There's, um, you know, these the governor has come out and really strongly talked about a, a severance tax. In my understanding, in these these discussions, something that's been a, a non-starter. Again, natural gas, yeah. yeah. And we already have an impact fee. Use the severance tax, right? Would- Many people do say, I mean, the impact fee is also a tax. Right. But <laughs> well, but, you know, that the, the argument has been that not only do the gas, the gas company does, does – the gas companies do pay the impact fee, but they also pay the corporate net income tax. Uh, they are – you know, their workers come in and they pay the sales tax. They have to pay, you know, all sorts of different – you know, when, when Columbia Gas has people come in from Oklahoma, they pay – you know, the hotel, the occupancy tax and all these different things. So, I mean, there, there's an argument that, yeah, they, they do they do pay a tax. But on the other side, there's the other thing about how we're the only – we're the second largest natural gas producing state in the country. I believe that's correct. And we don't have a direct severance tax on these – on the drillers. And um, I think one of the interesting things is that basically House Republican leadership – sort of conceded that they might be able to the severance tax might be able to get through the house they definitely acted super like way friendlier about right. the not the severance tax than they had ever in the past in my experience right and and that was you know the big argument was and when the the senate way back when actually did pass a severance tax um this was right i think right before governor corbett took uh took office if i'm remembering my history correct and there's all sort of been this discussion about if we give significant regulatory relief to the natural gas industry, there is a level of a severance tax that they would probably be willing to swallow. Now, what that what that level of a tax is and what members are comfortable with, I think, right now is still something yeah. under discussion. But what is apparent right now is that that lift will have to be conducted without the help of the House Republican leadership team. And how, Leader Reid basically said this week that if people want that, they need to bring the gas industry into a room, find out what regulatory relief they're looking for and what kind of attacks they want, and then it's incumbent upon them to do the lift because it's not something – I mean, you have so many of those Republican leaders on record basically saying that a severance tax is not the right thing for Pennsylvania, and I don't think that, that they can, with a strong voice now, kind of come around and say we need to do this. Yeah, so. Right. Spin for them to make. Um, I mean, is there anything else that we've heard of that's like newish as a revenue source? Yeah, recently I've heard being floated um, a gross receipts tax on fireworks oh, and that's a gross that's yeah, and a gross receipts tax on third party ticket sales. So, like, if you buy your airline ticket through Expedia. Okay. Um, or like Ticketmaster or whatever. Well, there has thing. been talk more generally about changing how the sales tax is levied because right. we've had such a loss of sales tax from brick and mortar stores, and right. there's so much more purchasing going on through online vendors. But it's right. really hard to tax across state lines it, and things like it, that. It is, but it's something that I think that, and there's been just talk more generally about 
making sure we really crack down on the sales tax from even like Amazon or Wayfair, or right. all that that sort of uh, these these people out there who are supposed to be you know right now Pennsylvanians are supposed to be disclosing whether they bought things online that they did not pay sales tax for right. at the end of the year. So at the end of the, their, the tax year, you know, you're filling out your tax return. You're supposed to be filling out like, okay, I bought, you know, this much stuff from Amazon. I didn't pay the tax on it. And, um, and now I'm right. Yeah. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, here's how much money I'm supposed right. to owe the, the Commonwealth. Now the enforcement of that is, you know, hard, but yeah. So that's a big challenge. And that's something that we're probably not going to see as right. part of this budget. But right. who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's look, there's there's plenty of options on the table. Um, there's no big policy thing standing in the way, so it's not like we've seen in the past where Senate Republicans sort of put on the table, "Hey, look, we need to get pension reform done before we do any major tax increases." Pension reform is done. Right. It's not like well, pension pension overhaul. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, reform reform. Broad yeah, but the, you know, a pension bill got a, done. Yeah, and they're very happy with the yes. pension bill. Both parties, are. right? Um, there, and so now there's really not a lot to swap. And right. I think that is probably the sticking point here is that there's there's just not a lot of chips that the other side can play to say, hey, look, if you sign off on this, we'll sign off on these other things. And I think this is why you're seeing so much fight over like the human services code and the public school code because these are chips that republicans can really lay down right we yeah. want this Medi- we want this medicaid reform we want welfare reform yeah. and you know if you if 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 we, you get what you want you're going to have to sign off on this and that's how these games have been played before right. so. let's talk about more specifically those code bills because right. i think it's important to say okay so we've got a 2 billion dollar a little bit more than that hole right. in the budget that we have to fill mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of that's going to be done through borrowing, and right. however much else recurring revenue comes in, that's going to be the rest of that. There's going to be at least some component to right. revenue. Uh, the rest is code bills. They have to pass the bills that act, like that be designate how the money in the spending plan that they already passed is being spent. Right. And so now there's been argument over how to put together those code bills specifically about uh, creating maybe work requirements for Medicaid. Right. There was a, a human services code that came out that Democrats didn't really get a lot of time to look over that included some significant changes. So what's what's going to happen with that? Yeah, one, well, I kind of always find that I, that argument, like we never got time to look over this sort of... that. Because when the Democrats were in the majority, they pulled the same trick on Republicans. It's just like, you know, you kind of know how the game is played. And while it might not be fair, it's it's not fair for for everybody, right? So, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I remember back when the, the majority shifted and I was like, I was thought to myself, oh, maybe they're actually going to like – you know, let people read bills yeah. and and uh, give people a fair chance to speak. And like, no, it's just this. You know, the same thing. It's, um, a, it's an easy thing to be mad about, and it's an easy it, thing to do. It is, and I, I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I'm just saying the argument, you know, is <laughs> Republicans are the only ones. Right. It's it, you know, when when the Democrats are going to be in the majority, I, I'm I'm going to place a bet on probably the same thing happening with their major priority bills okay. that Republicans don't like. But anyway, um, so and yeah, this, so. This human so the Human Services Code did a couple of different things. Um, it, were, it had the work requirement um, in it for Medicaid recipients, which is actually a, a Clinton-era welfare reform uh, um, measure. Yeah. Uh, it had um, it increased the uh, premiums that one might have to pay for Medicaid. Um, well, I think it created new premiums right. for 
families with an income above a certain right. level who have disabled would, kids who use Medicaid. Which is actually where the bulk of the debate on the House floor landed. Yeah, was that on was that. odd, too. Right. I think because it, uh, this, I mean, to be fully fair on this, I right. mean, it, it's a thing that people hear and it's like, that's ridiculous. But it's, it would be families basically who have like a 250000 a year income, right. something along those lines, and sure. they'd be paying around a $55 premium. Uh, right. And um, Is there a component? There's, is there anything else in there? Any details? That- there, there is, and they escape me uh, while we're sitting here. Right. Um, but, but I think, I mean, that's I think there, the major right. parts of, that would change. It, so people do have issues with Exactly. This. And Republicans have been saying, hey, look, this will provide savings in the budget. And yeah. this is something that we need to take seriously, which is which is how it sort of has gotten loaded, lumped in with the budget implementation. So, um, you know, some of these code bills are necessary for the budget. Others, others aren't. Right. Um, like the, the public school code, like there's been some debate as to whether that's actually needed for the budget this year. Right. Well, um, because there's an increase to public school funding, so there's a question right. of whether that can be allocated without the new code, I think. Well, right. But there's you can also lump some of that stuff into a fiscal code. You right. can you can put the components into some of these other bills. I mean, so there's not that there's, the fiscal code has been passed either. Right, but. right, exactly. But there's so some of these bills in the past, like uh, I remember a few years ago, there was like an agricultural agricultural code code bill that was tied to the budget. Um, but anyway, so the Human Services Code back to is House Bill 59 right now. Very controversial. Now, I think it's been interesting the Wolf administration has come short of saying they'll veto the bill. They've come out and said they're opposed to the measures in that. Um, House Democrats this week have been really in the press, uh, you know, trying to really ring the bell on this particular issue. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It'll, see, it'll be interesting to see if it holds together as the bill now goes to the Senate right. because they always have the option of reamending it or changing it. And the Senate actually has their own version of these code bills that have yet to be amended. And that so, was odd, wasn't it? Right. That they all think, well, mm. the, the Senate, um, you know, plans for that pretty consistently. Like, there okay. might be something. I mean, but it's it's always because they might get something they don't like and they'll want to dump it over back in the House. And it'll put that particular version of the bill further along in the, in the procedural process to okay. get to the governor. But... So the Human Services Code was the only one that we've seen passed so far, and that's Correct. why we're talking about this. We already had floor debate in one chamber on that. Correct. And uh, the public school code now also sits on waiting for a vote on the House floor. That was amended in House Appropriations to put in the code language. Um, the fiscal code sits over in the Senate. Um, and there's one other code bill that might be sticking out there. But... Um, uh. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. It's not um, important. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> they're all important. They're, yeah. It, it's, um, it's been a long week for reporters, too. It's been a long yeah. couple of uh, long couple of days. So, um, But, so, yeah. When, yeah. Yeah. Those things, um, you know, the fiscal code is really the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is um, the direction sheet for how the budget money is supposed to be sent. Now, the, the, so you might be saying, well, you have a budget, and it gives the lines for for everything and the fiscal code is important because while the 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 budget the 31.99 billion dollar budget that has become law now says like the department of human services office of um mental health and substance abuse services gets x amount of money they're not told how to spend that now if the legislature wants to have a say in that they have to put this is where the fiscal code comes in and it says okay uh omsas you need to spend um that appropriation of money on this much on drug and alcohol rehabilitation, this much on community providers, this much on blah, 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 blah. And I haven't gotten a clear answer from 
anybody on this, but I believe, I mean, I'm fairly sure, because this happened last year, that they just continue spending with the directions right. from last right year. Right now they do in accordance with, but, but still the governor sort of has a legal argument that he has broad authority to mm. spend in absence of a new fiscal code. Um, because the budget, which is now law, is the legal spending document for the current right. year. And he also says, I mean, because they always bring up case law, I think from right. like the 30s, yes. that um, says you can't spend money that you don't have. You can't spend an excess of the money in the in the right. in the budget. But they already have thirty thousand or thirty billion dollars accounted for. I well, mean, still, they, they do, but it's not in the bank account. It's not in the bank right. account, and, and that's it, and it's but it's like they have revenue coming in. That's they, they do, and that um, and that's become sort of an issue in the last couple of days too about whether that revenue will be actually able to cover the bills uh, well, coming in. Even if they do pass this revenue plan, I mean, there's still a question of whether the state's revenue... I think this is a good note to end on. Okay. Um, the depressing um, fiscal state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Our Auditor General and Treasurer have right. said, I mean, we're probably going to have to borrow money from an outside lender as soon as next month. And so those... So two things with that are different from usual. Usually the Treasury can offer a line of credit, and usually it happens later in the year. Well... Is, yeah, what am I wrong about that? So I, well, I don't know if you're, if you're necessarily Wrong. I don't know if right away they'd have to go to an outside lender. I think yes. he, he said that this borrowing, the short-term borrowing, which normally occurs out of the state treasury and needs to be signed off by the treasurer and auditor general, which is why those two offices are important in this debate, um, might occur earlier than normal. Now, the one thing I want to caution people about is that, say, the General Assembly comes back into town tomorrow and – when bam boom we have a revenue plan that's probably still going to happen right exactly like this does <laughs> yeah. the idea that a revenue component is going to stop that from happening is sort of re- i don't want to say ridiculous but it's short-sighted in saying that now what well, what they're saying is that you need this revenue plan if we are going to back this big loan because those loans have gone from a billion dollars to 1.5 billion to 2.2 billion. Now last year 2.5 billion and this year they're looking at borrowing nearly 3 billion dollars to sort of make sure the general fund doesn't go below um, a, a zero balance so that they can meet payroll and you know right. providers and such. And a lot but, of what comes out of this too is, and we should say I mean Joe Torcella and Eugene DePasquale, they're both Democrats. Right. And they are, you know, kind of going with Wolf's line on this, that we need more new revenue. Right. And and they're they're not wrong. I mean, Standard & Poor's and outside credit rating agency said the same thing. Yeah. Um, and much like what it depends on your definition of broad-based tax, I think there's also a debate about what, what recurring revenue means uh, <laughs> right. these days. So, um, you know... They're, they're not wrong, but I think you can see a lot of haggling over the definition and what that exactly means. So Okay. Well, I think that's a good note to, to end on for this week. It's been a long week. Very long week. <laughs> this will be the first weekend we had in a little while. He, yeah, a, re- a, real, a real weekend. Um, but who knows? Plans change quickly around here. They do. That's true. All right. Jason, thanks so much. It's glad to be here. Um, there's going to be no podcast next week because I'm going to be on vacation. Um, so I'm going to be in the wilderness, unable to access my equipment. So, uh, tune in the week after when maybe the legislature will be back. Maybe they won't. (laughs) We'll see. It'll be a fun surprise. All right. Thanks for listening.